Welcome to Goodfeels. My name's Phoebe and this podcast is here to serve as a timely reminder for all of us that there is so much good in this world. I don't know about you, but my dog Twinkie is my best friend. And I'm just going to go ahead and speak on her behalf, but I'm pretty sure that if she could talk, she'd tell you that I was hers too. We already know that dogs are a man's best friend, but it's also important to remember that the friendship goes both ways and they benefit just as much from our companionship as we do from theirs. Therapy animals have been used for decades and the whole concept is around the animal-human bond. The reason that humans and animals form such strong friendships is because we have very similar emotions and we also regulate them in very similar ways. And for so many of us, a single interaction with a friendly animal can actually produce a really calming state in a person, which is why therapy animals can be found in the weirdest places that you'd never expect. Hello, hello. It's pretty hard not to smile when you see an alpaca. And that's kind of the point. There's something about their fluffy nature that you just want to go and give them a big hug. And these aren't just pets. They're therapy mamas. Stitches the cat at Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport. Good girl. To Lilu the pig. Hogging all the attention at San Francisco's airport. They've never seen a pig in the airport. She can do tricks like a dog. So we know that animals can really help us, whether it's a dog, a pig, or even a reptile. But remember that our furry friends get just as much from us as we do from them. And one person who can truly vouch for this is Zoe Black, who has flipped the idea of traditional animal therapy by bringing rescue animals together with socially isolated individuals to create positive changes for both people and pets. My name is Zoe Black. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of an organisation called Happy Paws, Happy Hearts. Oh, and I do what I do because um, I love to see people smile and laugh, even if it's only, you know, for a short while. <laughs> um, and obviously I love animals. So it was a combination of two things coming together. <laughs> yes, I was going to say we have Flex here with us today who was your little fur baby. Yes. And I don't need to say, ask you, sorry, whether or not you like animals. Obviously that <laughs> is a given. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Happy Paws, Happy Hearts program and kind of exactly what it entails? Yeah, so um, we really started Happy Paws, Happy Hearts because we could see two kind of challenge areas, I suppose. Um, I knew firsthand social isolation was a growing challenge that, you know, in order to get out of social isolation and take those first steps, you needed a really strong motivator. And at the same time, um, saw a lot of rescue animals waiting in shelters, waiting for extra hands-on time and attention. So one way that you could have approached that was to train beautiful dogs like Flex and match them with people, which is certainly, you know, really beneficial and there's amazing work being done in that space. Mm -hmm. We decided to do it a little bit differently, which was to reverse that um, or flip the animal therapy around. And so what we do is we find people experiencing social isolation, we match them with a group and we get them to come to a rescue shelter. And in that rescue shelter, they train not just dogs, but all the animals that you can imagine come through rescue centers. Right. And so what kinds of, I guess, people and what situations are they experiencing who then come into the program? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, social isolation is very, very broad. There's so many different um, groups, I suppose, that are affected by it. Um, there is, you know, a lot to do with trauma. Um we see a lot of young people. Uh, we see people from the NDIS, um, veterans, first responders. That's typically who comes to our programs. And then the ultimate goal, of course, is to get them on a pathway of independence, whether that's um, community volunteering independently 
or employment. So obviously getting to hang out with animals is pretty cool and a given that that's something that they get to do, but what other skills and things like that are they learning from the program? Yeah, I mean, they are amazing for the rescue animals because they are turning up every week and they're getting um, dedicated training. So they are learning how to not just be with animals and meet other people. It's not just puppy cuddles and kitten cuddles. Um, They're actually learning really good quality training to support the rescue animals in their own journey because there's a lot of parallels. You know, people um, with social isolation can can feel that parallel rescue animals are also learning new things. They're also rebuilding their trust in humans. They're also looking for that next step or that change. And so they give the most amazing patient care, but they also just blow me away with how great they are at just navigating the shelter and getting stuck into the procedures. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in shelters that people don't realize that keep it all functioning. And the participants showing up every week are a big part of that. So the animals get just as much benefit from this as the participants do. Oh, absolutely. The animals get in-room training that they wouldn't otherwise get every single week, morning and afternoon. Um, They also get just people who are so patient and really respect where they're at. (laughs) Hi, buddy. It's got to go for a smile now. (laughs) Um, So that's what we really kind of notice with our participants as opposed to – you know, people that might just come in and out in a volunteering role, I think because of their past experiences and their trauma, they really will meet the animal where it's at and they'll take the time and care that it takes for that animal on that particular day. That's so amazing. And you said it's not just dogs. I'm assuming there's cats and birds and horses and all sorts of animals. Everything. Like we also do work with reptiles because there's reptiles that go through um, rescue centres, yeah, farmyard animals, Um Oh, gosh, yeah, lots of cats and dogs, as you can imagine, because that is, you know, domestic shelters is a big part of our work. Um, But honestly, it's, yeah, every kind of creature that you can imagine we've done some work with. We do great work with um, what we call pocket pets, and pocket pets are like pets that can fit into a pocket. So it might be like guinea pigs or mice or rats, and the participants just do fantastic work in not just like the handling and keeping the handling up, but also, you know, creating their enclosures and, you know, packing up all their gear so they can go into a foster parent. So the animal side of things, it's what the shelter needs and where their demands lie, that's what we're there to meet. A horse has better eyesight than a dog. He's my partner in life, you know? I call him my wingman. If they can earn the trust of that horse and then trust the horse, they're reaching into another area of their life one they hadn't seen since before they went to war. Do you have any really standout stories that have just really stuck with you or stayed really close to your heart? Oh, yeah, there's a number. Um, I guess one that uh, comes to mind that's really close to my heart and um, who I have permission to share uh, is a story of a young girl called Shaya because um, I actually met Shaya the first day she came to the shelter and she almost didn't say a word in the enrolment interview. Mum was there with her. Mum knew that she had a passion for animals because she liked photography and so she felt like our program could be a match um, but her social anxieties were really, really high. And she's um, been with us a number of years now and she's, her just confidence navigating the shelter is just incredible to see and she volunteers with us and she's running her own business and that's why it's like really close to my heart because, you know, being a female running my own business to see this young woman 
you know, change from being very shy and not sure about meeting new people and really spending most of her time with mum to now like engaging in her, not just, you know, her community, but also her own development and, and running her own business. Yeah. So. Now animals for I think majority of the population just make you feel happier and calmer <laughs> being in their presence. But there's actually a lot of studies and things like that behind the benefits of animal therapy. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what some of those benefits are? Along with just, you know, making us laugh and, and making us connect with other people. Um, animals can do great things for your blood pressure. Animals tend to encourage more exercise in people as well. So you can imagine if you have an animal that needs walking, you're going to get out and about a lot more. Um, with rescue animals in particular, I guess it's that sense of giving that is so fundamental to us as humans to have that opportunity to give to other people or other animals and it taps into that as well so I would say on animal therapy rescue animals are just this level up and kind of driving a sense of purpose and driving like you're giving towards our community and and an animal in need. How many animals and people have been put through the program so far? Uh, in terms of the animals, because we work with a number of animals in every session. So in a three-hour session, we might work with between six and ten animals in that wow. session. So we're in the tens of thousands of animals that we've worked with. Um, people, because all of their journeys are different and some of them are quite long-term, we've still worked with an incredible number of people, which is you know now over 900 people that we've worked with since the organisation began. We have a big, hairy, audacious goal to um, start working with 10,000 Australians. So that's the path that we're on now, to be working with 10,000 socially isolated Australians. And so if someone wants to embark on the program, is it something that they themselves put themselves forward for or can they be nominated by like a friend or family member or do you have community groups that you work with to help bring people in? all combinations of that. So we do have people that will put up their hands. They might have read about us in a um, community newsletter or something. So, for example, veterans might hear about us through their mates and mates kind of community organisations or you might have a wife or a mother or a carer going, I heard about this, I know you love animals, let's give it a try. Um, and we have organisations that are out there also actively looking to support um, people. And then lastly, just to finish, I just want to ask you, what do you love the most about animals? <laughs> um, oh, gosh, look at that face. I know. <laughs> I love him. Looks <laughs> like, what do you mean? You love me the most. Um, I love that they are just absolutely unconditional and that they – you know, can go through in, in a rescue setting, you know, they've been through hard times and um, they've missed out on some important love. Those sorts of like ability to just, you know, keep trying for that connection, I admire and I love it. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said about the unconditional love of animals and there's no better feeling in the world than coming home from work or even just seeing a random dog at a coffee shop and just getting to kind of embrace it and it it loves you no matter what. Absolutely. And, you know, coming back to the participants, I think what they what they get real kicks out of as well is seeing these animals who are reserved and then over the course of a session training them seeing them learn new skills and seeing them engage and then they see them in another session and they're getting more confident and then when they find new homes, like it's just a big celebration to know that they've been part of helping them find that new home and that new pathway.
for me, I think traditionally I've always associated therapy pets with people who probably needed the animals more for physical help, like vision impaired and their guide dogs. But what my chat today with Zoe has actually made me realize is that social isolation is so much more common than I thought. And more than that, it actually looks so different for everybody. So Zoe gave us some really good examples of just some of the kinds of people who enter the program. So she mentioned veterans, NDIS participants, first responders, and even injured workers. But it really made me think a lot about people in my own life who might be experiencing some kind of social isolation, especially people like my late grandma. Now, she was completely lost when she lost her husband of 50 years. And while I think she was 84 at the time, so while she probably couldn't have taken on the responsibility of owning a pet of her own, just being in a program like Happy Paws and Happy Hearts and getting to have the companionship of the animals would have given her so much value and benefit. And more than that, it would have just really given her some purpose. So if I think about all of the other situations that you might find yourself in, whether you're maybe a single parent going through a breakup, you're, you know, you've lost your job, or you even could just be having a bit of a hard time just in life in general, the unconditional love that you experience from animals is so life-changing, not just for you, but also for the animals as well. So I'm just going to leave you with this little tidbit We all know that dog is a man's best friend, but also remember that man is a dog's best friend. And that's a wrap from me. Make sure you rate the podcast, subscribe so you never miss an ep, and I'll catch you back here on Friday, same place to write those good feels straight on into the weekend.